Isaiah Kaina Falefa off the board. Two years, 15 million to the Blue Jays. The Marlins had interest, but not at that price range. They have interest in Fran Mel Reyes, but I'm not sure they will at that price range either. Ladies and gents, we're entering 2024 very soon, and we are seemingly entering in the hot zone for the Marlins offseason. This is Locked On Marlins. You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings from England and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast. I'm your host, of course, Peter Pratt. Hit me up on X at Miami Marlins underscore UK. We will soon be kicking off Marlins Twitter madness. So be sure to be following me there and voting, of course. Uh, guys, thanks for making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. This is your team every day. And there is a YouTube channel. Make sure you hit subscribe over there on the YouTube channel. Uh, that is also called Locked On Marlins, guys. And Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope everyone had a very Merry Christmas, a very festive one. I hope Santa brought you and the kids everything they wish for. Um, I don't know about you, but it is Thursday, the 28th of December right now. Uh, it's 10 p.m. UK time as I hit record here. And I have to say it was a very, very busy Christmas festive period. I was the head chef, and, you know, with that comes a lot of pressure and responsibility. And uh, it's fair to say things just about went to plan. Cooking for 10 people, hosting. We had people around from Christmas Eve through Christmas Day, through Boxing Day, uh, and then into the 27th of December. Like, there's a lot going on, and it's, it's a pretty busy time and a pretty tiring time. But everything came out great. I must say 2023 Christmas was sponsored by port. Boy, oh boy, we sunk a ton of port. A ton of it. Even on the 28th now, I'm still just sitting here thinking about just eating cheese and drinking port. How very English of me, perhaps. Guys, even though this has been an excruciatingly slow off-season, I would say in general, but from a Marlins perspective, it's been slow. But then again, one of the interesting things here is the off-seasons are always slow for the Marlins because they're not going to be on the front foot making a deal first. They're not going to be signing the most desirable players because they can't afford them. They may drop a trade before that time. We'll wait to see. They dropped one last year. But there's this is the time now. As we get into the new year, this is the time. So we're going to talk about that plenty in the second part of this episode. And the offseason is just getting started. This is when the Marlins come alive. I am very intrigued to see what direction they go this offseason, for sure. Jesus Lazardo's name keeps popping up, doesn't it? But let's talk about our sponsor first, because I forgot to do that. So apologies to our sponsor. I'm a touch late on this one. <laughs> but this episode is sponsored by FanDuel. You can make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Just visit FanDuel.com 
slash locked on to get started. And where are we getting started today? We aren't talking about the offseason. We're not even talking about a player that has gone to the Marlins. We're talking about IKF. So people are thinking, what the hell is that acronym, Pete? It is Isaiah Kaina Falefa, the former Yankee that was a free agent. <laughs> I remember when the Yankees acquired him. Loads of Yankees fans going, man, oh man, can we not do better than this? And to be honest with you, the Blue Jays have just signed him. And all I've seen with Blue Jays Twitter is, man, oh man, can we not do better than this? <laughs> and frankly, to be honest with you, when when the Marlins were a few weeks ago, a few months ago, whenever, however long ago it was, it feels like this offseason has gone on for a long time. But whenever, you know, a little bit kind of popped up about IKF and the Marlins, I think my reaction, I mean, listen, the everydayers will be able to testify to this and, you know, I can go back and check too, but I think my reaction was, boy, oh boy, <laughs> can we not do better than that? And frankly, the Marlins need to do better than that. And they were interested in, in IKF. I, I do wonder for what attribute, like what were they most interested in? Are they, are they prioritizing defense at the position? Because there's kind of limited offensive upside. And this is it for me. I keep looking through the lens of the Marlins had the worst offense in the NL. We need to make moves that prioritize scoring more runs, to be honest with you. The run differential wasn't great, but their just run accumulation was way below average. It was last, last in the NL. So I'm not overly inspired when I hear the name Isaiah kind of Falefa and thinking about what impact he would have on the offense. It's fair to say. Anyway, that's the Blue Jays' problem now. But I do think it's interesting that after the fact, you know, you always know, right, when Craig Mish retweets something with some news that isn't, like, huge newsworthy, you know, IKF to the Blue Jays, in the grand scheme, it's a relatively minor deal. Like, it's not a needle mover. It shouldn't be a needle mover. But when you get a Craig Mish retweet, you know what that means. That means that the Marlins were connected, interested, and likely they were putting uh, you know, a, a potential deal forward. And what he did report after this is the Marlins were, in fact, interested in IKF, but not at 215. Two years, 15 million. A lot of money. A lot of money overall. And when you look at what he brings, and I don't know how he's going to fit into the Blue Jays puzzle. It may be that he becomes a super utility guy for them. I'm not really certain, to be honest with you. It feels like the Blue Jays have got like a ton of middle infielders, just a ton of infielders, to be honest with you. So, you know, maybe this is like a precursor to a bigger move. Wait to see. Like, it's one of those moves that like may not make total sense and didn't make total sense to the Blue Jays fans. But... The question is, is maybe you're bringing him in to replace someone else or to add depth. I don't know. We'll wait to see what the Blue Jays do. But obviously, I've been getting excited about Marlins. Twitter's been getting excited about, you know, the consideration of like Boba Shed. Could you swing a deal to get him? Again, when I go back to the, the point I made earlier, if you're prioritizing getting offense into your lineup and getting more offense and more production into your lineup, Boba Shed will absolutely tick that box. However, I think it's fair to say we're all pretty aligned. Like, if Kim Ang was still here, this is the funny thing. I kind of look through the lens like, what would Kim do? 
Kim Ang would, would absolutely not hesitate in swinging a deal for Boba Shed. I get the sense that Peter Bendix is not quite, right now anyway, built and their strategy around that is not the same. So when I think about what Kim would do, probably what Peter Bendix would do would be the opposite, which is not acquire Boba Shed. Not empty the already understocked farm. Not even sure they've got the attributes, the assets, but the Blue Jays may move in for a stud pitcher. I don't know. But anyway, enough about Boba Shep, because I don't think that's realistic at this point, to be honest with you. An interesting name, though, off the back of this, and this may be like a an under-the-radar name, but like you do think the Blue Jays go and get this guy, IKF. I, you know, we'll see what role he plays. But he's taken a roster spot. You then think, well, okay. What's the collateral damage here at this point? And one name that, that I think could be is Santiago Espinal, who has played a little bit of shortstop, a little bit of third base, second base. Like, he's kind of moved around the diamonds quite a bit. Um, he didn't have his greatest season last year, but I, I would say he's had other years where, I mean, you go back to 2022, and that year in particular, I mean, it was an OPS plus of 99, but he was an all-star in that year. Um, so you've got a former all-star there that, you know, maybe squeezed out at this point. So he's a name just like, I'm not a name I'm overly familiar with and a guy in his game that I'm not overly familiar with. But I do wonder if he's going to be someone that will be moved um, because of this IKF signing. Is there something there? I'm not certain. He looks like another second baseman, and the Marlins already have like nine second basemen. They already have a second base problem as it is, unless Xavier Edwards can maybe transition to a different role. But I just want to throw it out there that is a name that I think could be moved. Santiago Espinal for the Blue Jays. Still in his, his late 20s. He's been an all-star. Feels like his role is going to be squeezed a touch. Wait and see. Again, I don't know what the future holds for Boba Shed. Like, do the Blue Jays look to cash in on that at this point? I don't think so. They've added in Kevin Kiermaier as well. Like, the Blue Jays are making moves. None of them that splashy. Not quite as splashy as Shohei Otani. But nevertheless, I want to talk about another potential splashy move with Fran Mel Reyes right after the break, including uh, just a general view of the offseason just about starting to get started for these Marlins. But before we do that, this episode is brought to you by our good friends over at FanDuel. Graphics there to help you as well, but you can score early this NFL season with FanDuel. It is America's number one sportsbook. And right now, new customers, and the emphasis being on you, if you haven't signed up, this offer is for you. You get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, this is the time, and there's no better time to get in on the action. The app. Is super easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options. They've got them all, guys. It spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. All right, guys, back here with me, Peter Pratt, on Thursday, the 28th of December. I, for one, am excited to be doing that Fanduel read that ad read very, very soon that we'll start talking about the MLB season coming and being with us. Score early this MLB season. Can you imagine? I'm looking forward to the offers. I'm looking forward to that. 
someone put a tweet out earlier. I don't have it at hand, so I can't recall specifically who. It might have been like the Jazz Homie Twitter account. You guys will know who I'm talking about, but just kind of alluded to the fact, or not alluded to, but just called it out. Like, spring training starts in, I don't know, if next to no time. Spring training will be upon us. Can't wait. Can't wait for that. Spring training games back on our screens. I mean, what a time to be alive. No doubt. And that brings us to the Marlins in the offseason. And I think I think it's fair for us to be, well, to just kind of dig into this a touch and think about and just realign and, and just understand where we're at in the general time lapse of things. What the Marlins normally do when they do things. Again, what does Kim normally do? I guess she isn't around, so we don't know. But when we think about the action that has happened, and particularly the action that happens earlier in off-seasons, it's usually the big ticket items that fall first. And you've got the big spending teams looking to acquire those big ticket items. One of them will get them. Actually, this year, one of them gets all of them. And then after that, the domino effects start to happen as teams pivot away and work out, okay, great, What? how can we make our roster better? We're now in that phase where you're now a tier or two down in terms of free agents. Teams then consider, are there other opportunities out there from a trade perspective? And so in the Marlins world, we should just, in my opinion anyway, you pretty much understand what's the off-season once the offseason arrives or when the season finishes, however you want to phrase it, when the season finishes, effectively, you can do a pipe and slippers at that point until January. There may be some minor moves that are made, and that's the same this year. The Marlins have made some minor moves. And actually, I spoke about it on Twitter earlier. When, when I sit back and think about the moves they've made, they feel like they're very specific to address deficiencies in last year's roster. Yes, I know Jorge Soler is no longer on the roster. I know Sandy Alcantara will be missing, but like I mentioned, the Marlins had a problem controlling the running game. They go and acquire a guy that was top five in controlling the running game. The Marlins, I don't know the numbers. I didn't look in advance of this, this show, unfortunately, but they had a running problem from a stealing perspective. When st stolen bases way up, Marlins, it didn't feel like they were able to generate that pressure enough because fundamentally most of their lineup couldn't run. John Birdie was hurt. He couldn't run. Jazz missed a ton of time. Then probably they put the brakes on Jazz because they need to protect him. So the Marlins didn't steal enough. And we saw it for the Marlins when the other teams were stealing on us. It creates so much pressure. A guy stood on second, as we see in the extra innings rule, as soon as you got someone stood on second, no outs. Like, that's almost, it's almost a guaranteed run. So, you know, all of a sudden, you need that. You go and get Vidal Bruhan. He's out there going bananas in terms of stolen bases in the, uh, in the Winter League, which is great to see. And for me, I'm really encouraged by that. I just want to talk about that briefly because you go and get a guy like that, former stud, you know, top prospect, really highly thought of, didn't quite work out for him. Hasn't quite worked out for him. But change of scenery. The arm looked amazing. I must say, when I looked at his arm at shortstop, the arm looks great. Can he stick at shortstop? He's going to be given that opportunity. He's going to be given the opportunity defensively. And I think the thing is for Bruhan, 
And for the Marlins, when I think about him, if Bruhan can play pretty much every day, above average shortstop defense, and find a way to get on base enough to steal 40 to 50 bags in a year, then honestly, he's worth it. Above average defense and 40 to 50 stolen bases and whatever else that comes with that, for me, completely fine. Lead off spot for Bruhan or nine, however you want to do it, and just get him out of there, get him on base, get him stealing. Because this is the point. You need to manufacture runs. And for Luis Arias to be hitting with someone on second base pretty much, however frequently that may be, but if so, if he's hitting with someone on second, more often than not, that run's going to score. The Marlins are 1-0 up in the first inning. And then all of a sudden, the momentum, you know, momentum builds. There were so many times where Luis Arias laced a single and ended up stranded on first base. He can't run. Soler would come up. He can't run. No one can run. But Bruhan and that dynamic speed can add so much, so much. Again, another under-the-radar move. It has to pay off. Bruhan has to earn his spot. He has to earn his spot. But if he does, and what we're seeing in this winter league is flashes of what he will bring. And I'm telling you, a 40 to 50 steals guy with above-average shortstop defense and arm will bring plenty to this Marlins offense. There won't be tons of power. Home runs won't be flying everywhere. But having the ability to be stood on second, hitting, effectively getting on second ahead of Luis Arias for this type of Marlins team, hugely valuable. So I'm really encouraged of what I've seen. Really, really encouraged with Bruhan this winter league. So he, for me, is one of the like huge under-the-radar guys here to have a huge season in 2024. Like I said, if he can still 40 to 50 bags, get on base enough for that and play that defense, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's different as well. And obviously, it's miles different to Joey Wendell. Let's just remember what, what's been there in 23. So if you can play the same level of defense as Joey Wendell, steal 40 bags, then... It's a huge upgrade, like ginormous upgrade with all the pressure that, that brings. Really excited to see that, to be honest with you. Can he take the opportunity? The opportunity's there for him at this point. It's sitting right there. Bruhan could be the starting shortstop, the everyday shortstop for the Marlins. Yeah, I know John Birdie will sprinkle in there and other guys will sprinkle in and you know maybe Xavier Edwards was given a chance, but they've traded for Bruhan to be given that opportunity. He has no minor league options. It is major league roster or bust for the Marlins and Bruhan. So again, he's been acquired to, to be playing. Same as Bethancourt, acquired to play. He's there to control the running game. Bruhan, there to spark the running game for the Marlins. They also had a problem with arms. They ran out of arms. And again, under the radar, kind of, they've acquired millions of arms. The roster is so Im imbalanced at this point. So imbalanced. Doesn't matter. The 40-man I'm talking about. So many pitchers on there. Um, and as they keep acquiring arms, the next question comes is like, who's going to be DFA'd? Someone has to. Ryan Jensen right now is that guy who's kind of sat in limbo because you've got like a couple of bank holidays baked in there. So he's like had an elongated, um, you know, waiver period. So we'll see if he passes through waivers. The assumption will be yes on Ryan Jensen, but who knows? Wait to see. Put something out there as well the other day. We're approaching that time. The Marlins are not going to stop acquiring relievers. If there's like a guy that they think is like 
you know, there's a touch of more staff or touch more that they like, then they're going to go and get that guy and they're going to wave the next guy. And it's like, how far down the list do you go till you get the Sixto Sanchez? That's going to be the question. The Marlins at this point, they're acquiring guys, acquiring guys, acquiring guys. And the question is, is like, uh, how how soon do they get to a point where they acquire a guy and Sixto is the collateral damage? And the question would be, I'm, do you know what I'm really intrigued to see about with Sixto Sanchez? Is if the Marlins could actually find a trade partner for Sixto Sanchez. Just the name, the hype, whatever it might be. Could they find some sort of trade partner? And to be honest with you, with Sixto, I, I feel he has no minor league options left. I don't know if there's a way for them to add another minor league option year again because of last year he missed all of this, the, the year with injury. I don't actually know. They had that situation with Eddie Cabrera. I think the same with Sixto last year. I don't know if they have the ability to add that extra minor league option again. Let's assume that they can't, just for the purposes of this kind of uh, thought process. But the other thing too, like Sandy Alcantara, when they have the opportunity, the Marlins can obviously place, they will place Sandy on the 60-day IL, the Major League roster, the Major League IL, sorry. The Marlins have never done that with Sixto Sanchez. Their preference over the past two years has been to option him and place him on minor league ILs. So they burn the option year, but actually they got it back. And then he's on that minor league IL. What does that mean? It means they pay him less money. And I think that's a really interesting situation that the Marlins and their kind of one of their former top prospects, one of the guys they were looking to build around for years. They were seeing this guy as like a top of the rotation arm. Obviously, we saw the flash of that in 2020. And the way they've treated him in the last, well, since that time, in 21, 22, and 23, three years, they've left Sixto on the minor league IL, paying him pennies on the dollar effectively, where other guys landing on the major league IL. Really intriguing situation. And it kind of points to the relationship. And it all and the funny thing is too, Peter Bendix in new guy, you know, it's easier to make the decision now. It's easier to make the call and go, he's out of here. It ain't my mess. And it's time to move on. And it's time to do the right thing. But teams do have the opportunity. They could trade for Sixto if indeed they think there's a way back. The Marlins have this opportunity too, but I don't think they'll take it. I just get the sense that like time is pretty much done with the Marlins and Sixto. But the, a team could trade for Sixto and just then place him if required. He may, you know, may not be may not be necessary, but if required, he could be placed on the sixty-day major league IL. So no minor league options, no problem. Sixty-day IL, boom. Wait to see how he goes. He's paid his full dough though at that point. I think it's a really kind of interesting wrinkle with this one. I think as us as Marlins fans, we'd be happy to just, not happy, it's the wrong way of phrasing it, but I feel like patience has run out with this whole situation. I think he's clogging up a 40-man spot. They haven't paid him big league injury money for three seasons. It feels like the relationship is fractured. I don't know. It feels like time to move on, but will a team trade for Sixto Sanchez? I didn't even have Sixto on the rundown, and I've gone off thinking about Sixto. But it's only because I was talking about how the Marlins just keep acquiring arms. And again, 
from this, from what they've done, added a catch to control the running game, added a guy that could play every day and dominate the running game for the Marlins, and added so many arms to give them so many options and so much depth that they will need. It's a tip of the hand to probably what will be a, a lot of turnover from a pitching perspective. Bullpen games galore. Three inning starts here and there. Swing, you know, swing men, spot starters, whatever you name it. This is going to be, this is going to be Ryan Weathers' season, baby. I can see Ryan Weathers having an absolute stunner of a season. I'm pitching a ton of innings, to be honest with you. Fran Mel Reyes linked to the Marlins. I didn't really want to end with this, but I did want to briefly touch on it. Uh, he's linked to a number of teams. I don't know in what capacity, in terms of Fran Mel Reyes, in terms of whether he's seeking a major league deal, a minor league deal. I don't know. But when we look at Fran Mill, I mean, clearly a name that most people are familiar with. And when we look at his career in general, there's obviously one, no, there's, I mean, there's a couple of seasons early on that stand out, but in more recent times, the 2021 campaign um, with the Indians back then, were they still the Indians in 21? But even so 30 home run season, uh, an OPS of 846, an OPS plus of 128. Uh, he never has quite rediscovered that form since, kind of bounced around since. Um, but, you know, he, when I consider what role he would play, like you maybe a minor league invitee to spring and just see what happens, and then maybe you end up having him like, you know, in the Garrett Hampson situation, in the williams Astadio situation where, they're sent down to AAA. They wait for someone to get hurt. And then they're, they're called upon when required. We know the drill. He fits a similar profile here to that. Like that, that guy bounced around a bit, shown power, DH. Is it exciting? Not really. The Marlins do have a need of DH, but clearly I don't think they're going to be leaning on Fremel Reyes as the primary DH option. Um, nevertheless, you know, this is. In summary, this is where I want to bring it back to is from January onward, onwards is when the Marlins cook. It always is the case. And they're actively exploring options. I know it. I can sense it. Jesus Lozado's name keeps popping up. Keep hearing it. They're actively exploring things. I'm intrigued to see the way they go. The offense in general, I did mention this. I did see Chase, loud, loud Marlins fan, I want to say, but loud Miami fan now, I think, is his new... Uh, Twitter handle, talking about how, and this is in line with what I talked about last week, where a full season of Berger and a full season of Bell definitely will help this offense because of the guys they're replacing. And if, as long as they can deliver what they're delivering, plus a, a healthy Jazz, I know, ha, 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 it's never going to happen. This could be the year. So I can see how the offense is getting better, but you still have to replace Oisler. You still have to replace that power. You still have to pay and find someone or trade for someone um, it would be malpractice if they didn't, particularly coming off a postseason run and you've got a Josh Bell contract there at 16. Like, if the Marlins aren't going to really be in this and they don't feel like they really want to be in it, then, you know, move Josh Bell now or at the deadline, I guess. But, like, you should move Josh Bell. 16 million is way too much for him if you don't think you're in it um, this year. And they should think they're in it. The pitching's good enough. The bullpen was elite. The rotation was elite. They need to find some innings. But listen, the, those two pieces. And like we saw last year, you, a bit of luck, some timely hitting. You know, you can control the running game now. You can start to run a little bit more yourself. 
you know, there's no reason to think the Marlins can't be in and around 500. This roster is at least a 500 roster as it's currently built pretty much. You need to add a little bit in there, but it's close enough. And as we saw last year, as long as you're in the 500 mix, then you've got a chance and you can do work at the deadline. There'll be teams that you think will do well that won't. There'll be teams that you think will do terrible that will be in it. And there will also be buyers. We know the case. But from a Marlins perspective, the main message to you guys listening is there's no need to panic. They were never going to do anything major or crazy before the end of 2023. We get into the new year and we'll see what happens. It's a time that the Marlins come alive. The moves they've already made, I think, are sensible. They're under the radar, sneaky good, in my opinion. They need a headline deal. We'll wait to see what that is. They need some more power. They need some more offense. We know it. How are they going to find it? And who's going to be moved to get it? Are they going to pay any money? These are all the questions we're thinking about from Bruce Sherman, Peter Bendix, as we head into 24. Thanks for making Lockdown Marlins your first listener of the day, guys. I'll be back tomorrow. And actually, I think Chase may be on the show, actually. And we are going to be looking ahead, thinking about the current projected roster for the Marlins, the current projected 26-man, and we're going to work through and work out who's going to make it, who isn't, who's going to be replaced, who's going to be traded, who's going to be DFA'd. Tons to get into, and we look forward to seeing you then.